You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show, The Moon Landing Conspiracy. Life, the Universe, and Everything Else is a program promoting secular humanism and scientific skepticism that is produced by the Winnipeg Skeptics. You can email your questions, comments, or criticisms to us at podcast at winnipegskeptics.com. Show notes, references, and relevant links for all episodes can be found at lueepodcast.wordpress.com or at winnipegskeptics.com slash blog. My name is Jen Newman, and with me today I have Ian James. Hello. Ashlyn Noble. Hello. And Laura Creek Newman. Hi there. All right, so today we are talking about the moon landing conspiracy. The idea that the Apollo program didn't actually result in the United States putting people on the moon, uh, but was in fact a big hoax. I actually first heard about this from a friend of mine uh, back when I worked at Celebrations Dinner Theater. He'd seen a documentary on Fox purporting to show that NASA had faked the moon landings. This uh, hour-long television show called Conspiracy Theory, Did We Land on the Moon? Question mark, uh, that aired in February of 2001. Uh, it promoted the idea that major aspects of the Apollo program, uh, including the moon landings in the 60s and 70s, had been a hoax designed to conclusively demonstrate American superiority to the Soviets and win the space race once and for all. So interviewees in this documentary claimed to have all sorts of evidence proving that the landings were staged. And the program concluded that because it wasn't technically feasible for humans to reach the moon in the 60s, the whole thing was faked at Area 51. Uh, in what is clearly not an effort to poison the well, I will point out that this documentary is coming from the same network that previously brought you Alien Autopsy. Fact or fiction? Fact. <laughs> they also canceled Firefly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so now poor there. judgment on all threads. Right. Now there, never mind Fox News, never mind any of that stuff. This is the network that canceled Firefly. Yeah. I cannot like them or believe anything they say going forward. So the idea that NASA faked the moon landings didn't actually originate with this show, but uh, this documentary certainly uh, helped popularize the idea. Uh, in 2013, public policy polling conducted a survey on 20 famous conspiracy theories, and the results were interesting. 7% uh, of people surveyed, that's one in every 14, believed that NASA had faked the moon landings. Uh, I honestly expected that number to be a little bit higher, and I, I would guess that it was 10 years ago. I saw um, a different, or maybe the same take on it, but it was 6%, um, and their conclusion when they were saying, oh, well, they said 6% of people, and I think the question was, do you have doubts that we ever landed somebody on the moon or something like along the lines and their conclusion was basically if you have a a sample big enough on a survey like that about six percent of people will agree with whatever you ask them <laughs> <laughs> so they were saying the idea that the moon theory is even that popular is questionable okay well we'll actually get into uh, comparing some of these uh right now um because uh, so in this survey, it was it was seven percent. It was a survey of I think more than a thousand uh, registered voters. So seven uh, percent is fewer than the number of people who believe that the government was complicit in nine eleven, which is currently at around eleven percent. Uh, it's also fewer uh, than who believe 
Bigfoot exists, which is uh, 14% of people. Uh, awesome. And it is fewer people uh, than uh, who believe that vaccines are linked to autism, which is a disappointing 20% of those polled. But more people believe that the landings were faked than uh, believe in chemtrails. That was only 5%. Or who believe that Paul McCartney actually died in 1966 and re- replaced by a lookalike. Uh, <laughs> that was also 5%. And I think that the same friend that I mentioned earlier Definitely. is among them. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> Turn me on, Deadman. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a documentary on Netflix, or at least it was. <laughs> wait, wait, now when we say documentary, I think we need to use, like, the audible scare quotes. Sorry, let me, let, me, let, me, yeah, let me rephrase that. There was a... Uh, documentary. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously this isn't the platform to talk about it, but it just goes to show you that anyone can put out any piece of shit, movie, documentary, whatever claiming to prove anything and it's i mean just the production values and of this Mm -hmm. this documentary were so laughable that i mean how can anyone (laughs) i mean you know what i mean like i we shouldn't you shouldn't be poo-pooing the production values but it's obviously clear that 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 these things were very poorly the idea couldn't get get traction even with people funding the uh documentary yeah Uh, right yeah so uh, well whatever anyway all i'm saying is that the production value has a lot to do with it in the same way that that alien abduction thing i did watch that when it came out Mm -hmm. and granted i was a kid because that was that's quite an old thing now right yeah yeah that was in the 90s in the 90s yeah and i i mean 96 maybe yeah did you watch it jen back in the day i saw clips from it i didn't watch the whole thing i don't know i now i didn't watch it prior to this podcast recording but from what i remember it seemed pretty compelling actually <laughs> again as a kid love, yeah <laughs> all of these shows like the the alien shows and the who built the pyramids and the atlantis shows i used to love atlantis shows they're my favorite um, i would just eat them up anything that had to do with any sort of you know alternative history is my favorite thing to watch mm-hmm. now i grew out of it now you just like them <laughs> I still like watching them, but for different right, reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and if you, dear listener, are interested in hearing our takes on any of these questionable documentaries, uh, might I suggest you uh, check out our recent episode on resonance beings of frequency. Uh, this episode 90. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I want to keep in mind, actually, that this survey that we're talking about, where I'm quoting these numbers, are, are of registered voters. So the results may skew slightly toward older people, whiter people, and people with greater access to education. Although it is possible that some respondents were themselves punking the pollsters. <laughs> always, always the case. I did surveys like this for many years. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so why do people believe in conspiracy theories generally? Um, there are many competing explanations, and there's no one reason, obviously, explanations for why people believe these things contribute to varying degrees. We don't want to fall prey to the single cause fallacy. Any ideas why people believe conspiracy theories like this? I think a part of it has to be that it makes you feel smarter than other people if you uh, sort of, you listen to one of these theories and you're like, oh yeah, everybody else just believes the standard idea, but, you know, I'm smarter than them and I know more. It's it's smarter, and then also being part of a, a privy in group yeah. as well. It's both those feelings right. you're combined. The one, you're the one with the secret that no one else knows. Exactly. So you're smart and you're special. I think we all want to be special. I think that's the explanation that fits best, especially with this moon landing conspiracy. It, it makes people feel smart. You know, you feel like you have some sort of insider information that the rest of the sheeple don't have. 
Uh, I know that this kind of intellectual snobbery probably helped reinforce my belief in conspiracy theories when I was younger. Um, and let's be honest, it probably also reinforced my zeal for skepticism early on, too. Mm. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Mm. I, think, uh, I think that that is what falls into a lot of the, not only this one, but the 9-11 one as well, because there's yeah. so much of the steel only melts at whatever temperature and you know, jet fuel, yada yada, like it... Once you hear those facts, you feel smarter for... You can point them out to people or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you can you can regurgitate them yeah. on command. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if you're going to get to this in just a moment, but I think the other reason why people... Or another reason why people tend to believe conspiracy theories is most of the time the conspiracy theories, maybe not in the moon landing case, but with the 9-11 and, and some of those other ones, there is no clear answer uh, I mean, obviously with 9-11, because there was so much destruction, a lot of evidence or anything that could have pointed in a certain direction was simply incinerated. But um, people want and maybe need to make sense of something. So a conspiracy theory is better than not knowing. Right. Yeah, and that, well, yeah. That, that, that is actually a really uh, a key point uh, that a lot of psychologists have pointed out. We want to have a neat explanation for unpredictable or otherwise inexplicable events. Um, you know, maybe not so much with the moon landing, but with uh, things uh, like the JFK assassination right. or or with 9-11. It seems uh, unthinkable that that one person or a small group of people could pull off something that has such a big effect on the course of, you know, a nation. And so they people it gives people a sense of control and order in the universe to think that some random person couldn't just do this. It has to be some big mm -hmm. conspiracy. And, and this is related. Um, some researchers point out that people feel the need to explain a significant event with a significant cause rather than some combination of chance and circumstance and insignificant events. You know, how, how could this small group of terrorists pull this off themselves when they're so insignificant and they right. did something so significant? It had to be something significant yeah. to cause the significant event. It can't right. be something small. So, you, you know, when you had Hurricane Katrina, for example, you had a whole, a whole bunch of problems with infrastructure and with planning and with response that was happening and all lovely incompetence at, at many different levels. But people point toward a conspiracy instead because that gives a, a structural way to view something rather than just it being random. And some conspiracy theories play directly into existing political leanings, too, uh, often those uh, that are anti-authoritarian or anti-government in some way. And I think it's important to, to not try to play psychologist too much as well. It can, be, it can be a lot simpler. When we talk about why people believe conspiracy theories, we shouldn't forget that sometimes it's because they can be pretty compelling, sure. especially to somebody who isn't very familiar with the subject at hand. Uh, these narratives are often carefully sculpted to showcase a specific subset of the available facts that present the theory in its best possible light. And they make all of these connections that are new and surprising and intriguing. And if you're not familiar with the way conspiracy theories work, it's easy to be dazzled. Yeah. Right. I heard I heard uh, the, the sort of the 9-11 conspiracy described as sexy. It's, it's a sexy, it's, a, it's an alluring, uh, because it was so horrendous and because it is you know, our government allowed these airplanes to blah, blah, blah. It's it's intriguing. It draws you in. And, and when you start hearing the things about, well, you know, there was bombs planted in the base of the building and yada, 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 it becomes like a movie. And I think that can really, 
you know, because essentially as humans, we're storytellers, I think at heart, all of mm-hmm. us, we're storytellers. We want the story to have an ending. And, and I think we feel a little let down or put out if it, it, the story gets to a certain point and then there's no resolve. I think that, you know, we yeah. want to have that resolve. You want to construct a, a compelling narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. That definitely rings true for me as well. Uh, because part of the reason that I love all of those shows is also the reason that I like trashy novels like The Da Vinci Code, is where they have you know all these little clues and it's like and it all builds to this crescendo at the end of and this is what really happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to connect the dots, and that's uh, I want to talk about a couple common features of conspiracy theories. A lot of these grand conspiracy theories. Uh, do have a lot of features in common, which should be red flags to anyone who's wanting to apply some basic skepticism to extraordinary claims. So uh, one, as Ashlyn is is alluding to, is that proof of the conspiracy often emerges by connecting the dots between random events uh, or events that don't need to be causally connected, like all of these paintings in the <laughs> Da Vinci Code. So uh, this seems like the kind of hyperactive pattern matching, also called apophenia, that causes us to see images in clouds or hidden messages and music played backward. Conspiracy theories often, but not always, can lack a single clear narrative and instead consist mainly in hunting for anomalies that poke holes in the so-called official story without taking on the burden of actually providing an alternate explanation for events. Uh, and we see this a lot in 9-11 conspiracy theories. You know, they'll say, well, you know, steel can't melt at, uh, at this temperature, so obviously, and for some reason, they assume that since it can't fully melt, it can't be weakened at all by flames. But uh, <laughs> they say, so uh, steel can't melt at this, at, at, at this temperature, so obviously it must have been something else. And, and then they'll either not provide an explanation for what that something else is, or they'll, they'll seem to agree to all sorts of different conflicting ideas like the lasers or the missiles or the explosive planted in the building beforehand well, it's like it's like it's like finding one inconsistency or one gap in the theory of evolution and therefore throwing the entire theory out and yeah, then it's maybe creationism right and then in, of course then they have creationism to fall back on but <laughs> it's sort of like saying well there's no transitional fossil between Authoropithecus and whatever the next one is and uh, <laughs> because of that hole in the in the fossil record obviously the whole thing is is untrue uh, where you know that statement in and of itself of course is is sort of disingenuous because it doesn't make it untrue it may just mean that there's a there's a gap in that record and we'll fill that when yeah. we find yeah. it yeah reality is messy right you're often going to get things that don't quite line up with our understanding and so our understanding might need to change. Are you, you telling know, me that in reality there isn't a Chekhov's gun? No, yeah. There, there isn't always, you know, if there's a gun hanging on the mantelpiece, maybe the guy's just a gun nut. It doesn't need to go off in the <laughs> second act. Third act? Third act, I think. The third act? Yeah. Anyway. So these conspiracy they theories... guns on the Enterprise? Can... <laughs> yeah, that Chekhov. That Chekhov is the one we're talking about. Okay, I thought so. Good. Always that Chekhov. Yeah. Uh, so these conspiracy theories will like commingle facts and speculation without distinguishing between the two or without assigning degrees of probability or of factuality to what they're saying. They'll say, well, it could have been this without providing any evidence that it is in fact that. Or, right. you know, maybe this happened. And, and the fact that something else might have happened is good enough. 
Uh, another uh, common feature is that evidence against the conspiracy is just turned into evidence for another layer of the conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time you present evidence that would say, oh no, it looks like we did actually go to the moon. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that was also faked by this other organization. The conspiracy <laughs> just goes deeper, right? Oof. It becomes unfalsifiable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's like an exercise in apologetics. And finally, grand conspiracies often require the involvement of huge numbers of people who would need nearly superhuman power to pull it off. These systems, those sort of grand conspiracy systems, they're not very fault-tolerant, right? They allow for no mistakes because a single misstep from any person at any level or just somebody having a bad attack of conscience and going to the press, that would unravel the whole thing. People tend not to be as powerful as we think they are, nor as competent. The more people involved, the less realistic this grand conspiracy idea becomes. Meaning, sorry if I may clarify, meaning that if two people are in on the conspiracy, it's less likely that that conspiracy will be, or this event or whatever, will be exposed because there's those two people, and if one of them dies, then it's one person left. If there's a hundred people, then there's a higher chance of someone letting something slip or, or exposing the yeah. thing. You just you That's have more idea. you have more fault points, right? right. Because okay. every person involved is now a fault point and we know that like for in this case it's such a huge thing you'd need thousands upon thousands of people, some with various like with various levels of training and education in that. So some are more likely fault points right. than others. Right. To keep the conspiracy going yeah. if it were indeed true. Okay. Yeah, exactly. To quote uh, Benjamin Franklin, I believe this is in uh, Poor Richard's Almanac, three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So there are way too many arguments for us to cover them in exhaustive detail, but we are going to highlight some of the most popular arguments in favor of the moon landings being faked and explain why they don't hold water. These are, these are ones that, we'll, that we hear over and over again. So uh, to start off with, I just want to talk about the missing tapes. It is true that we no longer have the original slow-scan television data tapes from the first moon landing in 1969. These tapes were recorded as backups in case the live television broadcast of the landings failed for any reason. But in the early 2000s, a team of retired NASA employees and contractors tried to locate them and couldn't. And the reason is almost unbelievable. Uh, Did you guys hear about this? I think so. I didn't. So the researchers eventually discovered that these tapes had been just erased and taped over by NASA in the early 80s. Everybody saw this. It's bizarre how much that happens. Like the old Doctor Who episodes, too. Yeah. That's why they don't have them, because they were just taped over. Well, that's obviously conspiracy. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. So you'd think that you'd want to keep the original high-quality recordings around, wouldn't you? So is this evidence of a conspiracy? I guess More it could evidence be. evidence of dumbassery. Yeah. Don't forget Hanlon's razor. <laughs> Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by incompetence. Uh, but don't rule out malice. Malice can still happen, too. Not that I'm comparing the moon landing to old movies, but, you know, I, I, another documentary that was credible that I was watching saying that a lot of the silent movies from the, you know, 20s and 30s and even earlier simply do not exist anymore because yep. at the time or slightly afterwards... People didn't recognize them as being something important, so they weren't properly stored. They were they were allowed to get wet. Uh, some of them were destroyed, you know, for tax purposes. Some of them just, you know, were destroyed because they thought no one is going to want to ever see this ever again. And of course, 
movie historians would love to see some of those old things mm-hmm. survive to today. And and I mean, again, this maybe not exactly what happened, but yeah, I mean, maybe you know somebody said to themselves, some some poor asshole who I'm sure lost his job, <laughs> um, said, you know, well, I mean, everybody's seen that; it, it happened already. So let's <laughs> let's let's tape the last episode of Mash instead. <laughs> It's not exactly the same thing, but that was yeah. my thought. And, and we do still have other types of footage right. that is of lower quality, but we don't have the original slow scans. So, Laura, I hear that we have all of these photographs of astronauts on the moon, but in those original photos taken in 69, there are no stars in the pictures. Isn't that proof that they did it on a soundstage? Absolutely. Okay, oh, good. wait, oh, no, oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> You've been listening to like. <laughs> good night, folks. Yeah, this is a, a very common question. And really the easiest answer to this and the most obvious is that most of the pictures that we have, in fact, just about all of them were taken during the lunar daytime when it is bright, when the sun is shining. Um, the lunar surface is very, very reflective, and because there's no atmosphere, things don't get dimmed at all um, the same way. I mean, there is dust, but it's very reflective, and there's not much to absorb the light, right? So it gets very, very bright. So when you're using a camera, if anybody's ever tried to take a picture outside at night and there's a light source, you, you're probably going to see whatever is reflected, the little bit illuminating, like maybe you're taking a selfie at night, and you see your two faces and a black background around. So really that's what's happening in this situation here. The camera was just focusing on the brightest light source, which is the lunar lander, which is generally bright white or, or metallic in color, um, the white space suits, any variety of things which are very reflective, and so that's the brightest thing, and so the, the sky looks really black in comparison. So, you know, to put this into perspective as well, if anybody's ever stood on a stage before, um, if you've ever given a concert or something, you're looking out into the audience. Um, you've got these bright lights st- um, looking at you. You can maybe make out one or two faces, but really it looks like a sea of black out there. Whereas we know that there's lots of even lights and things like that out there, but just the bright lights in your face mean that your eyes adjust to the brightest light and not the little lights out there. So the camera is the same thing. So that's the that's the primary explanation. Of course, they wanted to get the best shots possible of the things that they were doing, not the stars necessarily. Yeah, that so that's what I heard is that they didn't they weren't there to take pictures of the damn stars. No, exactly. <laughs> we had we had and have satellites at that time that could take images of the stars. And, and like you said, yeah, they weren't there for the stars, right? Um, there are actually some images that were taken from the lunar surface, uh, particularly with an ultraviolet camera, and they specifically set it up in the lunar module's shadow. And you can see some stars and the the Earth's reflection and that in that in those images. Some people will claim to say that the astronauts themselves said that they don't remember seeing any stars, but this is a misrepresentation of what they were saying. They were saying during the day when they were out on their missions, they couldn't see stars for the same reason that when you're out on a stage or you're out at night and there's a big bright light, you can't see anything else around that light, right? But when they were in the, the module in the dark, you could see, they can see stars and they did, they did state that. If you yeah, had all the pictures uh, from the moon landing and every one of them had, you know, all these shining stars in the background, that would be very suspicious. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it, that well, because... would make a lot less sense in terms of physics and photography and lenses and that than the current explanation does. The stars are going to be a lot dimmer than the surface of the moon. Mm-hmm. And 
and then the earth in the sky too if the, if the earth is in the sky and so because of just the way cameras work and exposure lengths work unless you way overexpose the lunar surface and the astronauts you're never going to see any stars peeking through because they're way dimmer right think yeah. about think about how you can't see stars in the city very well would go out to the country and it's like a damn light show. Exactly, you know? and yeah. it's exactly the same thing. It's almost jarring, actually. I, I remember I went we, I went home a couple weekends ago to the to the country in in, in uh, Saskatchewan, and every time it's like, God damn, there's a lot of stars out yeah, there. Yeah, it's kind of distracting. <laughs> it is. It's, yeah. it's it's super distracting. Well, and they didn't even have cameras that are as good as what we have in our phones now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So that one is. Pretty easy to uh, to discuss there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, this totally actually, busted. <laughs> when you think about this claim, it's hilarious. This is, I think, one of my favorite moon landing hoax claims because what they're saying is that NASA went to all of this trouble to fake an entire moon landing with rockets and rovers and dust and astronauts and spacesuits and government cover-ups, the whole thing. And then they forgot that space had stars. <laughs> right, yes. Right? NASA. NASA yeah. forgot that space has stars. <laughs> or maybe they wouldn't show up in the photographs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Could be. So, Ian. Yes, sir. I remember uh, when I looked at video of the flag, the American flag placed on the lunar surface, the flag seems to be waving in the breeze. I thought there weren't any breezes in space. What's going on? Actually, I was I looked a little a little bit into this as well because I've always seen the you know this conspiracy show with the flag yeah. is freaking out there or whatever. And then I read something very interesting. It's actually in the link that you sent me that I think is the most compelling argument that whatever it is, it is not the breeze, in the sense that the flag may be waving, but nothing else. The entire lunar surface, there's not a speck of dust or anything yeah. moving along with the breeze. So the breeze, if if it, it, it seems to be completely localized on the flag, so no space dust or anything like that is blowing around. So obviously it can't be a breeze. The uh, The general consensus as to why the flag is moving is because just because it's in a vacuum doesn't mean that it cannot move. Right. I was watching the, the episode of Penn & Teller Bullshit pertaining to this uh, subject, and the, the guy who was debunking the, uh, the, the conspiracy said, well, inertia. <laughs> if you start something to move, it's likely to continue to move after you've stopped touching it until something else sort of mm-hmm. acts upon it. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine in, in a vacuum, there's probably less things of like friction and whatnot to act upon that flag from moving. So if you did, the astronauts, if they did position the flag a certain way or what have you. And you and see it, them doing that. And you that. see them do that a lot and the flag starts moving. Well, yes, that's because they put energy into the flag in the first place causing it to move and with the flag moving with inertia you'll like you'll see you'll see the the bottom sort of ripple as they position it because it got twisted and you'll see it kind of swing like a pendulum and because it's in a vacuum there's no air resistance to it's not going to slow down nearly as quickly and because gravity is also you know about one sixth it is on earth you know that pendulum motion is going to continue longer as well right and then the the uh, the idea of it moving also has to come down to if it is a conspiracy was this movie essentially was it filmed on a soundstage was it filmed in a bunker was it filmed outdoors to the point that well where is the air coming from they say that somebody opened up a door in the sound studio and the breeze came in and it just sort of seems a lot more plausible that uh you know the like i say the inertia of them actually placing it in the first place causes it to move rather than a breeze indoors 
Yeah, and this is also a very selective breeze, as you pointed out. There's no <laughs> dust kicked There's up. There's no dust. Yeah. And I mean, it's easy to say, well, you know, if it was a conspiracy, then such and such and such and such wouldn't happen. But that doesn't really lend any credence to, you know, that's it's it is mostly speculative. But again, it goes back to the whole stars thing. Like if if NASA was really trying to make this a really compelling thing, you know, they would just let a breeze come into the sound studio. And just say, ah, it's good enough. Whatever. <laughs> they, they never reviewed the tapes yeah, before like, they played that, them. Exactly. Like, all yeah. these things. Like, they never caught that in post and said, let's cut that scene. Yeah. Where, where obviously, <laughs> the, you know, somebody turned on the giant fan yeah. in the, that was in the soundstage. But uh, that's the basic long and short of it, is that it seems very fishy if it were a breeze. So, Ashlyn. Yes. In many shots during the initial moon landing... We have shadows of, like, the rover and of equipment and of rocks. Uh, we see shadows on the moon that aren't parallel. So you'd think that with only one light source, you know, the, the sun up in the sky, you would have all of the shadows be parallel with each other because they're all, you know, they're all being drawn out, you know, in front of this light source. You'd only really see multiple shadow directions if you had multiple light sources, right? Like you'd see on a soundstage. So this is the best myth because it is the one that you can go outside and test yourself and find Science. out that it's <laughs> If you have a light source that is at a low angle and you're outside when it's clear out and the sun is shining. So a low angle meaning long shadows. Yes. You can look out across uh, a wide-ish distance, and perfect for us because we're in the prairies, we can see all the way to forever. Um, <laughs> if you look at the shadows, you can see that they're all sort of converging because there is the one light source. They're not parallel to one another because of the way that our vision and distance and perspective works. And the reason that the shadows aren't parallel on the soundstage moon is that uh, they're taking a 3D picture that covers quite a lot of distance and putting it into 2D. And so it looks a little weird. When you're driving down the road, you can also see, oh my god, the lines on the road aren't parallel. They're converging to a point in the distance. The road is getting smaller. I'm going to crash. Yeah. Perspective can play those sorts of tricks. Even with shadows that are fairly close together, if you have an incline, if one shadow is on an incline and one shadow isn't, the shadows will appear to bend and go yeah. go kind of wonky because of the incline, too. Anything They're... that's in the way is going to mess with the way that light falls. Yeah. That seems fairly obvious. Does, does it not? I don't know. But they're, they're just going to throw everything at it until something I, I, sticks in your brain. I, I guess that's yeah. true, yeah. Yeah, that's the way these things that work. Doesn't, that doesn't seem like a very compelling argument, I feel. Not yours, obviously. No, but it's just the one that that they're trying to make. You know, however many things that they can throw at it, they're just going to keep going, like an eighth grader writing a paper. Yeah, (laughs) and and, and that's that's another red flag, too, when when they don't care about the quality of the evidence. And I find this when uh, when religious people will make arguments trying to convince me that I'm going to hell, or, you know, when people will try to convince me that you have to eat organic or you're going to die of, like, three types of stomach cancer or whatever... They'll make any argument, bad, good, whatever, they'll throw out every single argument hoping that one will hit home, but when you call them on their bad arguments, they just move on. They're like, okay, well, nothing to see here. Let's let's look at this one over here instead. <laughs> They're like, well, no, don't you want to address the fact, like, do you find this convincing? If you find this convincing, that's a problem <laughs> because it's obvious bullshit. <laughs> and if you don't find that convincing, why are you telling it to me? Right. 
Because if if you don't think this is a good argument, you're either being intellectually dishonest or you're you're just trying to win at this point. And yeah. when you're in a conversation and you're just trying to win, that is a bad sign. Even if you're on the, the, the so-called right side of the conversation, if you find yourself just trying to win, just back off, man. <laughs> Step away. Yeah. So, Ian. Mm. Isn't radiation pretty dangerous? I hear all of these things about radiation. Once again, go, uh, listener, go back and listen to episode 90 about resonance beings of frequency. I hear radiation is super, super bad stuff. It killed Marie Curie. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Um, and her daughter, too, <laughs> who's also a scientist. It's a very murderous thing, that radioactivity. Actually, it was science. <laughs> Don't do science anymore. Science kills. Oh, no. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> so, wouldn't the deadly radiation in the Van Allen belt have killed all of the astronauts before they ever got to the moon, Ian? Well, no, Jim. Or not necessarily. So, I had to do a bit of research as to what the Van Allen belts actually are, and I'm just going to read it here to make sure that we're all on the same page. There are regions above the Earth's surface where the Earth's magnetic field trap particles of solar wind. So, things like radiation and stuff like that. Uh, radioactive particles and whatnot are, are trapped in these, are, are sort of trapped in our magnetic field of the Earth. So, yeah, if you took a slingshot and put a guy in it and shot it out <laughs> naked um, <laughs> into this region, yeah, you would absolutely die uh, very quickly and horribly. And not just from exposure to hard vacuum. <laughs> yeah, there's many things up there that'll kill you. Happen. Yeah. Um, but the idea is, of course, that it's about exposure and how long you're in that field. Yes, there's some deadly shit up there, but the idea is that, first of all, um, you know, NASA did do a lot of testing with radioactive materials to see, obviously to try to replicate the amount of uh, radiation that was in, that, in those fields and to see what kind of tolerance levels uh, certain materials could have and so on and so forth. So that is also compounded with the idea of how long you're actually exposed in that field. So if you go in there naked, you're pretty much dead on contact. However, these guys are obviously in a spaceship that is, you know, well-lined with magical pixies and whatnot, other things, <laughs> other scientific Space stuff. Space magic. Space yeah. magic. Um, that is obviously shielding them to a degree uh, from this radiation. But, of course, they're also traveling at a tremendous speed. They don't spend amount, a lot of time there. They're exactly. The, the amount of exposure that, uh, that they receive... It's marginal. It's not enough to be lethal or, or to cause any long-term damage, per se. So it seems to me like, yeah, there's some definitely some stuff up there that'll hurt you, but you, can't, like, you don't want to be swimming in it. You want to pass through it as quickly as possible and then get out of it into, into regions of space that are a little more tolerable. Like everything, the poison's in the dose, right? Just talking about, you know, formaldehyde, for example. In va- Ooh, formaldehyde and vaccines. You know, like or aspartame. Or aspartame, yeah, talking about aspartame. Whenever somebody says, oh, that's toxic, mm-hmm. so you shouldn't ever have it, you're breathing in particles of toxic stuff all the time. Yeah. It's in the air all the time. Our bodies are, to very small degrees, radioactive, there's radioactive decay going on in your body we right have now. Highly, highly, highly corrosive acid digesting my food in my stomach right now. Yeah. You take that out of your stomach and put it on your skin, it's gonna hurt you. <laughs> like Yeah. Context matters and the dose matters. There's that meme that goes around occasionally with the the amount of formaldehyde in a vaccine and the amount of formaldehyde in an apple. Yeah. And it's there's so much more in an apple. Right. It's, and, and again, it's like, oh, well, if, I, if it's deadly, I get it away from me, every single bit of it, but you've probably got more in you of that 
as you're speaking those words than you ever did by avoiding it. Yeah, I'm never yeah. going to drink a glass of water because I'm afraid I might drown. Every <laughs> cancerous tumor contains water. So, Ashlyn, I heard that the video footage taken on the moonwalks is just normal people walking around in suits, but in slow motion. Completely faked. Yeah. It was just faked in, with a high-speed camera? Absolutely. Through water. They're bouncing Which I'm not water. even sure if, if they had back then. I didn't look into that. I should have. What yeah, sort of well, you, like you, was you've, available? You've always been able, like, you have to make the film go faster in order to then slow it down and not lose your frame rate. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and you've noticed this if you ever try to edit, like, if you take a video yourself and you try to slow it down, it gets choppy. Because the frame rate has to drop, unless you use some kind of uh, software yeah. to, to sort of interpolate the frames, which never works that well anyway. But it does make, uh, it does make you know, if you ever turn on that hyper, hyper scan, whatever it's called, on your, on your TV that, that mm-hmm. was popular for a while, that's basically what that was doing. It was adding additional frames in between oh, okay. to try to smooth it up, and people, well, it basically looked like a Peter Jackson movie, <laughs> uh, which I like. Anyway, I'm, anyway, I'm getting off topic. You've um, always been able to double crank, like even even in the 20s, you could crank a um, uh, like a hand cranked camera to to make everything either move fast or to be able to make it slow motion, but with your regular frame rate. So yeah, they could do that. So they definitely did that. Except case not. closed. Um, <laughs> we're too sarcastic to do this show tonight. <laughs> tonight? Um, yeah, a lot of people will tell you when they're talking about the hoax conspiracy that it would be really easy to just have the astronauts move around in slow motion or to take the footage in natural motion and then just slow it down but if you look at their motions like they they don't look right it's not something that you can do in earth's gravity very easily and fine maybe they had lots of training or whatever or they used wires that's all explicable but sort of the case closed on this one is if you look at the dust from the rover because when you're looking at the dust from the rover, the wheels are spinning, and the dust shoots out from behind the wheels in a perfect parabolic arc and comes back down. And you just can't have that happen in regular gravity. It would just, you know, sputter out and swirl around just like it does on Earth. Yeah, dust would be kicked up in the air, and it would, yeah, it would swirl around. Like, did they attach a tiny wire to each individual particle? I don't understand what the argument is here. I think people just forget that... They don't look at the details. Yeah, they don't look at the details. They forget that the fact that we have an atmosphere and and the moon does not plays a big role in these kinds of things, and the change in gravity and all of these things. Like, it just... Yeah, people just forget that it's not the same, or they just don't even think of that, oh, you know, I've never seen that happen with my own car before, <laughs> you know? And and what, you know, admittedly I haven't seen a lot of footage of, of the moon, but I've, I've seen as much as any, as much as the lay person, right? Like, I mean, this may be a very thin argument, but it doesn't <laughs> look like slowed down footage. Yeah. yeah it like, it, you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, it doesn't, that I mean... half of my arguments. Right, it, it's like, it's <laughs> fine to say, oh, well, they were trained to, you know, mime out the proper, you know, mm-hmm. the proper whatever, and the, and they're, they were all, you know, Marcel Marceau. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, you say, well, this footage is slowed down, and you say, well... I don't see it that way. It doesn't look slowed down to me. It looks like yeah. you're in a different yeah. gravitational yeah. field. Do you, do you have evidence that it's slowed down? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, okay. it doesn't look that way. Yeah. That wall is blue. Well, yeah. it's actually green. Well, it's blue, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but, right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but everyone else thinks it's green. I mean, taking colorblindness and whatnot aside. Yeah, right, yeah. But, I mean, just to say something looks a certain way doesn't necessarily make it true. As you say, Jim, well, okay, we'll prove it. Maybe colorblindness isn't quite the right 
<laughs> but you know what I'm saying. I'm yeah. Yeah. As an example, yeah. of course. We recently rewatched the the moon landing hooks episode of Mythbusters, oh, and that's a great show. it was good. so good. I mean, they dealt with pretty much everything we're talking about, but they they tackled this um, this issue for sure. And of course, these these are guys that work with film and camera and they they know these kinds of things and so they they tried to do it they they did it in real time and then they slowed down the footage to see what it would look like done on earth's atmosphere and one of the most telling things is like so adam was in the suit he was being the astronaut and his movements looked okay but his helmet didn't move at the same speed his helmet moved at Mm. regular speed so his helmet's bouncing along at his speed whereas he's bouncing in slow-mo speed but you don't see that when they, well, yeah, did they it, tried to replicate it with both slow mo, and they tried and like, to do it with the uh, with like a gravity. Yeah, harness. like they they did all sorts of things, but just those little bits of his suit, and he was yeah. wearing the kind of suit that they would have worn, and bits of it were not moving in the same time. Whereas that's not something that you see in any of the footage, and it was so just kind of details. those little details because of you know right. you're still under gravity right now. <laughs> the, the little details that we cannot replicate today. In well, I don't know when that episode was aired. It was two thousand and yeah, yeah, something like that, like five six years ago. Sure, in in the modern era, we cannot yeah. replicate what they were able to do in nineteen sixty nine perfectly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, in order, to, basically, in order to fake this, uh, they would have had to evacuate all air from the from the set and have like a giant vacuum chamber. Oh, yeah. that would have been cool. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they did do that, Jim, but not likely to have happened. So, okay, we've dealt with uh, most of the serious ones. I remember there, like, there was one guy who was claiming that one of the rocks had like a stamp on it from the manufacturing company. Yeah, because I remember they, that one. Because they didn't actually use real rocks. I guess they used those plastic rocks that you hide your key under or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would they... didn't exist in the 60s. Like... Yeah, it was like, a, it was a C or something, and they were arguing that this was a, a marking from the manufacturer that they hadn't flipped the rock around to the right side. Why wouldn't you just use a rock? <laughs> <laughs> why would the manufacturer put a C on the rock? Put it on the bottom. I don't know. Like, why they does it have to be on the of dollars? They had to buy something, so they bought. Right. They blew all their budget on the slow motion suit, and they're like, "Fuck!" <laughs> now we can't got... afford real rocks. <laughs> we can't rocks. afford real rocks. <laughs> we, have to, we have to go to Rocks R Us <laughs> and shop in the discount aisle. Ah, oh, these rocks suck. They got then... C's all over them. <laughs> Guess we'll just flip them over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, and then that comes back to job like, for you. <laughs> that comes back to that whole like, okay, so the minimum wage employee at Rocks R Us is gonna keep this hoax secret going. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, that's our rock. I sold that to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> God. So, <laughs> so we're, we're done covering the, the arguments made by the conspiracy theorists, but uh, now we want to actually present some additional evidence, right? So aside from there being no actual compelling evidence at all that the moon landings were faked, we have lots of evidence that the moon landings weren't faked. So aside from the copious documentary and testimonial evidence from NASA and the astronauts themselves, we also have some independent third-party evidence that human beings did, in fact, go to the moon. We have moon rocks, don't we? We do! We have more than 800 pounds of moon rocks, Mm. apparently. At least that's what the various Apollo missions brought back from their time on the moon. 
So moon rocks are distinct from anything that we can find on Earth. There's a lot of reasons why that is. Uh, first of all, they have a different mineral composition. I mean, it's not elements we've never heard of or anything like that, but the predominant mil minerals in the moon rocks are different than what you'll find on Earth. So most rocks on Earth have a lot of things like clay and, and quartz and mica and things like that. Moon rocks don't have those kinds of things. They're predominantly made of other types of minerals that we, we only see in much smaller quantities here on Earth. So that's the first thing. We also know that moon rocks, they don't show any, or they show very, very few traces that they've been in contact with water at any point because there's no water on the moon. Well, there, there, like, there was at some there's, point, there's evidence, but um, it's been a really long time. I, I'm, I think, I'm not a moon expert. Yeah. I don't know exactly. But the thing is, there's not a lot of water going on there for a long there's, time. There's ice trapped in the craters, I believe. Yeah. Right. Uh, especially, um, especially but there's the not poles, water yeah. moving around. Which right. And so this on Earth, our rocks have special types of um, crystallization and mineral patterns because of the contact with water. Makes sense. Moon rocks don't have that kind of thing at all. Um, so that's a big indication that there's something different. Another huge thing is the moon rocks consistently date much, much older than anything ever found on Earth by hundreds of millions of years. When they do date them, they always consistently date older than anything that we've ever found on Earth. Awesome. Moon rocks as well show a very particular pattern of weathering that you won't see on anything on Earth. So because of all the stuff that goes on in the vacuum of space, one of the things that happens is that there's tons of tiny little particles or tiny meteorites flying around all the time at super high speeds. These are like teeny tiny little bullets and they put little tiny dents in everything that they hit, right? So moon rocks, whatever side is facing out of the moon rock, will have thousands of these tiny little dents from all of these little things. Like micro craters. Micro craters, like they're just, it's like teeny tiny little bullets making teeny tiny little holes in these rocks, right? We don't see that in rocks on Earth because we have an atmosphere. So all those little particles get pretty much disintegrated, burned up as they come in. I mean, if they didn't, we would be full of tiny little holes right now. <laughs> yeah. It would be gruesome and awful. Like, the atmosphere it would just is be, awesome. The atmosphere is awesome. So that's another thing, too, that you know can happen with a moon rock. These are lots of really compelling arguments. But if someone is still not convinced, what's really, really interesting is that the moon rocks collected by the Americans show all of the same patterns as the moon rocks collected by the Soviets at the same time. Now, if anybody recalls, these two were not always the best of friends, especially during this whole moon exploration phase. So why these two nations would cooperate on this magnificent hoax doesn't make any sense at all. So, so for what them, you're saying is that the Cold War was also faked. Totally. Also right. part of the NASA's conspiracy. No, but, but really, you know, these are two groups that, especially at the time, would have absolutely no reason to cooperate with each other. So if they're independently finding the same evidence, and then third-party labs in the time since then have analyzed both sets of samples and have corroborated those findings. So... There's just no reason to think that they are not actually from the moon. Now, one of the other cool things uh, that we have in terms of third-party evidence that doesn't just come from NASA uh, is we have retro-reflectors on the moon. Do you, do you guys know what a retro-reflector is? No. So a retro-reflector is, uh, well, you've probably seen them uh, on the backs of bicycles, for example. There's bicycles on the moon? <laughs> Yeah. So. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. 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 Moon bikes, man. 
Yeah, I haven't seen that that video you, you of the just, astronaut riding the bike. You can do ding sick ding. tricks. <laughs> no, I, I bet you can. Yeah, Tony Hawk should go The ding there. ding doesn't work though. Oh right, <laughs> no, in a vacuum, there's no sound. Well, they they have a little they radio just, transmitter. <laughs> they just go ding ding. <laughs> So uh, a retroreflector is is kind of like a little mirror, but it's actually made up of a bunch of tiny prisms, and so it has this really cool property where no matter what angle it's at, uh, any light coming at it will be reflected right back toward the light's source. Hmm. Uh, Hence retroreflector. Yeah, retroreflector, meaning it reflects it right back. Whereas with a mirror, uh, if your light is coming in at an angle, it'll be reflected back at a, what, supplementary angle? Whatever, yeah. yeah. You can, and you yeah. Can, so a retroreflector will, will bounce right back no matter which angle you hit it at because of the way the prisms work. It's really cool. So beginning with Apollo 11, many lunar missions deployed retroreflectors, and they're used as targets for Earth-based lasers for tracking as part of the Lunar Laser Ranging Experiment. Uh, and, and what that does is it basically tracks the distance between the Earth and the Moon very precisely at different times. Scientists shoot lasers at these retroreflectors and get signals back all the time. So they're there. They're scientific instruments that were put in place by the Apollo astronauts. They exist, and they work. <laughs> so does the... Um, I'm actually asking an actual question. Do, by and large, the moon hoaxers claim that just the first one in 1969 was a hoax and then every other one was for real you know what i'm saying like do they say yeah, yeah, all yeah. of them were ho- all of them were, were frauds or just the first one it varies and and this goes back to when we were talking about common features of conspiracy theories where there's no one clear narrative instead they just try to take down the official narrative and then say ah, and you know something else happened maybe it was this maybe it was that because if they if they put forward a specific narrative themselves then other people could poke holes in it and you don't want that right you don't want your narrative to be falsifiable you just want to you know i'm just asking questions here guys so uh, some of them will say that they were all faked there's no evidence that we went to the moon at all uh, other people will say well the first the first one or the first couple were faked but as technology improved then we had actual missions to the moon right because i've heard that before where people say well you know they just they you know there's the old um rumor or myth or whatever that you hear maybe they maybe even covered it on Mythbuster. i didn't see the episode but that the first space shuttle had as much calculating ability as a modern day calculator has yeah and i don't know if that's true or not but it's you know it it seems like holy shit if they actually did go to the moon those guys were freaking heroes oh, to, yeah. to to put their faith in this machine that we look back now and say well you know my calculator on my phone not my phone the calculator on my phone has more computational ability or whatever than the space shuttle did in 1969 that's crazy if that's true i don't know if it is but remember that you can you know a modern car actually has uh, way more computational power than than any of these rockets did but you can have a car without a computer in it of course and and it drives around and does all of these complicated things operated by a human a lot of the calculations that are required to go to the moon and back weren't done by the space shuttle. Of course, right? I, what I, <laughs> or obvi- by, by not by the shuttle, but by the by the rocket. I, obviously, yeah. I, what, what I'm saying though is that um, the myth or the rumor or whatever that the first one was faked and then after that they actually had the technology at least has some. I shouldn't say some, but it's less. Well, stupid it's like, because it's like, well, yeah, I'd believe it because that thing was extremely primitive and those, you know. 
it's of course not true. You know what I'm saying? Where it's like you could see, yeah, they didn't have a hell of a lot. It's more plausible. More plausible. Thank you. I was listening to uh, Mary Roach's "Packing for Mars." Oh yeah, uh, is that is that good? I've heard good things about it. I have somewhat enjoyed it so far, but I think it would be better as, as a book rather than as an audiobook. Oh yeah. I, I'm not a fan of the narrator. Oh, okay. But, mm-hmm. Uh, but the facts are very interesting. Uh, for example, I did not know this. Now they choose astronauts based on, you know, whether they're going to get along with each other and mm-hmm. how smart they are and all these other factors. And before, they would only accept people who were uh, test, test pilots, pilots. Yeah. because they were the ones with the most guts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you had to be willing to put your life on the line getting in there, and so you just had to have nerve to do this. That was That's really the qualification. Just the gumption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything else we'll figure it out once we get up there. Just get there. That, uh, well, as I said before, I mean, those guys were freaking heroes. <laughs> yeah. To be stuck in this tin can, driving through radiation on an explosive and the whole, yeah, And kidding. all of the air is farts. All of the air that you're breathing is farts. Yep. And the whole air is farts. <laughs> Go, America! So I so I think one of my favorite one of my favorite moments in the in moon landing conspiracy theorist lore is when Bart Sebrel, who's these hoaxers uh, in California, he uh, goes and confronts Buzz Aldrin outside of a hotel and demands that Aldrin swear an oath on a Bible that he had walked on the moon, and Aldrin was basically like get out of my face I, you know you have no right to Aldrin was basically lured there under false pretenses is, is Buzz Aldrin a, was he a Christian is he do we know this I imagine Buzz meaning Aldrin that if they Christian. came up to me and said would you swear on a bible that you're working a guitar store I'd be like sure or I would say absolutely not I don't believe in God do you know what I'm saying like right do they know that he would have quote-unquote fallen for that if I think that's just such an American thing like if you're gonna prove something you do it on a bible because no I, I, yeah i agree but i'm saying like if if buzz aldrin is an atheist he may very well be lying and keeping up with the conspiracy and say yeah sure because that doesn't mean anything to him or was he offended that you would even ask sorry to interrupt jim so uh, aldrin is christian he's oh, a okay. presbyterian so that would have been a <clears throat> but could have been all, meaningful right albeit yeah. a horrible stupid tactic it may have very well been like it may have very well worked. Yeah, I suppose. Well, well, but but the idea isn't so much that Buzz, like you know, Buzz Aldrin could have said, "Yeah, I swear, I walked in the moon." But he's he has to deal with these people all the time. Sure. And he was lured there. Basically, it was under the pretext uh, of an interview for a Japanese children's television show, <laughs> and Seabrol <laughs> just like you know comes up with a camera crew and demands that he swear an oath on the Bible that he walked on the moon. And Aldrin, you know, blows him off, and and mm-hmm. Sebrel calls him a coward, a liar, and a thief. And Aldrin's response is to just punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah. This that's this old guy response. just pu- and and see Talk about that's nerve. the thi- that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing, Ashlyn. I don't think that's an appropriate response. Like I can see myself maybe doing that. I hope that I wouldn't. Aside from direct credible threats to you know other human beings or myself i don't think there's a reason to respond to words with violence like i understand why it happens sometimes you know we're all human but i'd like to think i wouldn't do that but man it is satisfying to watch <laughs> well that's the thing the other it's, it may not be the most appropriate response but it is the most cathartic response yeah. of everything it's, it's because all of us response. go 
thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we've been wanting to do this. <laughs> uh, so I do have one more, one more really cool thing. This is uh, both evidence against the hoax idea and a really cool demonstration of a basic principle of physics. Uh, on Apollo 15, at the end of the mission, the mission commander, David Scott, actually performed a live demonstration, a live scientific demonstration for, for the kids. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. It's the <laughs> hammer feather drop. So he takes a hammer in one hand and a feather in the other and drops them uh, to demonstrate the principle that Galileo tried to demonstrate, you know, hundreds of years ago, mm -hmm. uh, which is that regardless of mass, two objects will fall at the same rate. If not affected by... If not affected by air resistance. And that was, right. the, you know, that's the reason you can't drop a feather and a hammer in, you know, on Earth and see them fall at the same time. And there's the, the video. We'll link to it in the show notes. Now, in my left hand, I have a, a feather. In my right hand, a hammer. And I guess one of the reasons uh, we got here today was because of a gentleman named Galileo a long time ago who made a rather significant discovery about falling objects in gravity fields. And we thought that... Uh, really cool though oh that's mm -hmm. so good yeah. science and the other cool part of the video if you watch it from the link uh, is how slowly the hammer falls over once it hits the ground oh yeah it hits the ground it just <laughs> i also like the way that he speaks <laughs> i happened to see this video come up on my feed on my twitter feed just a few days ago uh, after i'd finished preparing for this show and it was linked to from a, a website called The Kids Should See This, which is a really cool website that just sort of links to videos and other uh, content, you know, usually about science, but just gets people interested in, in the world, uh, which is great. What year did that uh, video take place? Uh, 71. 71? Yeah, oh, yeah. wow. So, like, very shortly after the supposed fake moon landing. So yeah. they, they remembered to close the door of the soundstage that time so the, <laughs> and they the feather, the the feather didn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Good, good job. <laughs> the feather didn't just fly that right was, out, right? That was take two, so they're like, ah, all those things yeah. we screwed up the first time, we'll correct them the next time. <laughs> it was actually a lead feather. Lead feather. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do have a game that I want to play, but before that, uh, Ashlyn mentioned that there's some other moon hoax that she wants to uh, that she wants to talk about. Yeah, so I was at an event this weekend, yesterday, and talking to a listener, and I said, oh, hey, you know, we're doing the moon hoax. We're going to record it tomorrow. And he said, oh, which one? I was <laughs> like, you know, the one where they didn't land on the moon. <laughs> the Hydrake. And he mentioned that there is also a hoax theory that the moon just doesn't exist. <laughs> Wait, I feel like maybe I've heard something like that yeah. before. So, uh, you know, Mr. Um, all of our leaders are lizards, David Icke. David Icke. He yeah. is also a proponent that the moon is not for real. Awesome. It's just it's just a weather balloon. <laughs> no, not a weather balloon. Okay, so he cheese. contradicts himself several times in like one we watched a seven minute video and then we watched a fifteen minute video and very different information in both of them. 
but in both of them he's ranting about how it could be um, a spaceship. Uh, so it's it's hollow on the inside and the outside. Uh, you were talking so about it's the Death Star, basically. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. no moon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what they the were getting at. <laughs> and the outside have all of those different minerals because those are the kinds of minerals that make it resistant to damage and and heat and some other stuff. Uh, yeah. What do you say to that? As it's traveling through the universe to get to Earth. So that was one theory. Uh, another theory is that. This I'm a little offended that you're calling these theories, but okay, do, well, do go on. Yeah, well, he goes on about that for a while, too. Uh, his other... Uh, idea. Idea? Sure. Conjecture. <laughs> bullshit story. His other... <laughs> lie. Uh, lie. His other lie is that we're, he uh, likens it to the Matrix, where it's actually just <laughs> yeah. a hologram, and we're just led to believe that the moon is there. What's it projected on? Like the none of it makes the any firmament? sense. Yeah, none of well, it makes any sense. This is this is all a giant Truman show, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's just one big dome that we're proje- like the like the planetarium. It's the planetarium. Okay. Uh, yeah. Or also, it could be uh, something that was put up there to control us, because of course the moon. But we have uh, fluoride for that. The moon projects yeah. these cycles that are controlling humans and and makes sure that we do you know what oh, we. I, I know I know people, and I brought this up on other podcasts. I know people who. <laughs> Who do legitimately believe that the moon does affect your yeah, so do like I. directly affect your 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 psyche and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, your psyche and your moods and so I it, it seems to me that a conspiracy a conspiracy must have a purpose or a goal or something that they're doing it for. Like nine eleven was a conspiracy so that you know we could invade Iraq or whatever the hell it was. It has to have some sort of end goal, I would imagine. Otherwise, what's the point of doing it? There has to be some sort of profit just to motive, or his fame. Is that so? Yeah. So because so so why oh, no, why are no, we projecting? Okay, the so that's 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 David Icke's actual rationale for making this up. <laughs> right. But what is he saying? The, the rationale. Reason, yeah. 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 Oh, no, I just why why, why are people? Know. Yeah. The controlling thing I could see, but if it's a if it's a Death Star or if it's a, what was the other one? I'm sorry. Uh, a projection, a hologram, a, a hologram. Yeah, to what? To what point and purpose? I don't um, understand. Or is I there? Did nothing. he mention no, that? that I don't, why? I don't recall him mentioning a motive for it, but he did. <laughs> or by say whom? The lizard people. Oh, yeah. the lizard people. While right. he was writing his book, um, oh god, it had a terrible title: "Wake the... Up, Humans," or "Get Off Your Knees, Humans," something like that. <laughs> uh, he sat down one day, and it just came to him all of this, you know, information about the moon. Ugh. And, you know, it, all this information just started coming into his life without, you know, any provocation. And so he just felt that he, he wasn't going to write about the moon, but he decided he had to write about the moon after getting these Revelations. astral projections. I don't know. Let's end this episode with a fun little quick game. Yeah. Yeah. Remember that poll that I mentioned at the top of the show? Yep. I'm going to name seven different conspiracy theories, <laughs> eight different conspiracy theories, because I can't count, uh, and you're going to tell me what percentage of respondents told pollsters that they believed that conspiracy theory. Oh, God. Uh, whoever gets closest gets a point. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> Ian's in it for the point. We'll start with an easy one, uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to alternate people. Global warming is a hoax. Uh, what percentage of people said that? Laura? Ooh. While you're thinking, yeah, I was gonna. Right? I was yeah. just gonna ask. This is an American poll. Okay, um, I'm gonna say. Oh, yeah. do you, so ninety-seven. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say forty-eight. Forty-eight, Ian. Yeah, that's a pretty good. Uh, 
how can I bet one more dollar without going over? Yeah. <laughs> That's um, what I thought as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say more. I'm going to go 50, 57%. Okay. Ooh. I'll go 45. Ashlyn takes it because it is 37%. Oh, ah, damn. Yeah. I was going to go with 40 and then I'm like, no, I got to up it. Not as yeah. bad as we think. Yeah. Oh, good, good. With 12% of respondents saying, eh, I don't know. Maybe. Right. <laughs> Of course. Uh, so, uh, number two, we'll start with Ian this time. A secretive global elite is conspiring to create an authoritarian one-world government. <laughs> seven, seven. Seven. Ashlyn? I think people like believing in authoritarian government conspiracies. Uh, eleven. Laura? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Five. Five. 28. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh. With 25% of people saying, eh, maybe. So that's me again? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you, you took it with 11. <laughs> Everybody was really <laughs> underestimating that one. Okay, and number three. Saddam Hussein was involved in the September 11th attacks. That's a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think people equate that a lot. And it's my turn first, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> 60. 60. Laura? Oh. Well, because I've just heard of it now, so I'm going to say 40? Yeah. What did you say? I said 60, 60, 60 low and 40. 40 so. I'm going to split the difference. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Laura takes it uh, with 28%, with oh, wow. 22% unsure. Way to sell that war, George. Oh, okay. <laughs> Conspiracy 4. Lee Harvey Oswald did not act alone. A larger conspiracy was at work in the JFK assassination. We're going to start with Laura this time. Uh, I'll say... I'm going to say 65. 65. Wow. Okay. See, I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to say that because America is a very justice-oriented place... They got that bastard, you know. <laughs> and, well, J- Jack think, Ruby got that bastard. <laughs> you know, so so true, true or or not, I think that most people will just say, "Okay, he's the guy." So I'm going to go low. I'm going to say ten percent. Okay. I'm going to go twenty. Twenty. Laura takes it again ah. with fifty-one percent. What? With twenty-five percent unsure. This yeah. is one I of those things. It popular. Yeah. It's popular, and it, this is one of the few. That like my parents aren't really into conspiracy theories and that, but it's popular enough that I remember as a kid when I was learning about this and yeah. and just in my parents talking and saying, oh yeah, you know that was all set up by the CIA. You know Lee Harvey Oswald was just the guy who took the yeah. fall and yeah. Oh, so I re- so if my parents were saying this as like casual, everybody knows this. It's got to be. That's fair. That's good. See, that's good reasoning and using your... And if my parents are saying this, well, that's that's no indication (laughs) one way or the other. Uh, So, okay, so that's another point for Laura. So what's the score here so far? Two, two. Two, two, two? yeah, Yeah, okay. And zero. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, maybe you'll you'll just, you'll sweep us. We're we're halfway through, so you can still make it come back. Hey, and I won the, uh, I won the, the, the Christmas one. Yep. There you go. I still remembers. Okay, yeah, so, that's right. So, <laughs> I've got it on a t-shirt. So, so, so I got you an easy one. Okay. I got you an easy one. Number five, Barack Obama is the Antichrist. Jeez. <laughs> oh. That's not easy. Um, is the Antichrist, because that's pretty specific. I'm going to go, shoot, 20% of people believe that. Ashlyn? 
so dumb. Because, <laughs> like, really only... That's really strong language. I yeah. I'm going to go five. So even go of five. the conservative Christians, yeah. there's got to be a small minority that's safe. Yeah. But then again, we've been shocked before. 20%. I'm going with it. I'm going to yeah. go with 10. And the answer is... 13% with 13 unsure, so Laura takes it with Ian coming in close behind. Damn it. Getting slaughtered here. Yeah, well, you need to. You need to okay, what dude. percentage of people believe in the Antichrist? Mm-hmm. How much overlap is it with those people who don't like Obama? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, in that specific situation, I'm thinking there's a the pretty high overlap. That Venn diagram, one contains the other. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's just a circle. Just a circle. Uh, okay, uh, question six. We're starting with Ashlyn. The government adds fluoride to water for sinister, non-tooth-related purposes. Oh, God. <laughs> they passed a frickin' law in Oregon <laughs> to take the fluoride out of the system. I think it was Oregon. I should probably fact-check That's, that. It wouldn't um, be surprising. It was recently yeah. taken out of Calgary's water, right? Oh, so so many people believe this crap. 60%? 60? Well, okay. they still say sinister. 50. 50. 50. Okay. Laura. I'm gonna go low. I'm gonna go thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Ian, I'm gonna bet one dollar, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might be mixing my game shows, but uh... yeah. <laughs> so many. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get to spin the wheel, right? Yeah. Well, it could just. <laughs> Up until that point, it could have just been Jeopardy, although with with a, no! a, a, a prices right flair. Right. But you can still bet one dollar in Final Jeopardy. You, you know? can, but it's but the one dollar thing like is yeah, just, like yeah. it's so much more common. In any event, rate. Ian takes it. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well done, Ian. Nailed so, it. So no, he bet a dollar, not one percent. Done. <laughs> oh yeah, the units were wrong. Wait, so. Wait. To quote Futurama, I think of which I've quoted again on this show before, you are technically correct. The, the best, best kind, kind of, of correct. correct. <laughs> so it, it, it's actually 9% with uh, 17% not sure. Uh, number seven is, the world is secretly controlled by shape-shifting reptilians. <laughs> One guy. That's what I bet. <laughs> uh, who, who are we starting with here? Laura? I think so, yeah. I was yeah. the last one. Uh, that, that's not a lot of people. I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna go with five. Five? Yeah. I'm sorry to elongate this session farther, but this guy I was gonna ask before when we were talking about yeah. uh, David Ike. Does he make a living being him? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now like he, 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 he used to make a living as like a football commentator, I have no cricket. Idea. Okay. But like, like, so he makes like he sells books, he does tours, he you know goes on TV, he makes specials, blah blah blah. This. And I mean, you'll have to do a lot of bleeping in this episode, Jim. I apologize. This fucking guy <laughs> makes a living on this, the, the lizard people. Like, <laughs> I am in the wrong job. Like, man, that is outrageous. So I'm going to go higher than five, but it sickens me to say so. I'm going to go seven, slightly higher, but higher nonetheless. Seven percent. You said five? I said five. You he said, said seven. seven. I'm going to go three. You're going to go with three. Okay, so not many people believe this. So, yeah. it is actually a split between Ashlyn and Laura, because it is 4%. With 7% not sure. So, <laughs> 1 in 25 people believe that. God. 
lord. Just for clarity, David Icke is a former professional footballer and sports broadcaster. And there's one question left, and it's anybody's game. By anybody, I mean not Ian. Right. <laughs> that is fair. And Ashlyn might tie it up with Laura. Woo! <laughs> so, we're going to start with Ian this time. The media or the government adds mind-controlling signals to television broadcasts? Ooh. 26%. Ashlyn? That is such a weird one. So weird that it's true. <laughs> so what percentage of people think that John Carpenter's They Live was a documentary? <laughs> uh, I, okay, here's the thing. I wonder how many people interpreted that to be like, well, advertisements are mind-controlling. Well, that's the funny thing, you know, like, uh, like it's, <laughs> yeah. it was staggering because to me that anybody believed this, but then advertising is a thing, and yeah. anyone who says that they aren't affected by advertising no, is, is fooling it themselves. Is, it is kind of mind-controlling, because they know what's going to make you go buy that thing, so, and they do that. Yeah, Sorry, psychological you priming is You said 26. I said 26, I'm going to go 35. Laura? I'm going to go under, I'm going to go 20. And Laura takes it. It is 15%, with 15% unsure. Misinterpret the question, people. Come on. <laughs> okay, so Laura is the victor. The winner. Woo! So, I think that about does it for us this week. If you liked this episode, don't forget to give us a glowing review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you have a suggestion for a future topic, I know Ashlyn's looking for one, or you just wanted to tell us about how the moon landings were actually faked by Shadow Reptilian CIA Director Lee Harvey Oswald <laughs> to distract us from the rise of Al Gore's environmentalist New World Order, find us on Facebook or Twitter, or send us an email to podcast at winnipegskeptics.com. Nicely done. That was very nicely done. Can I plug my podcast, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, if that weren't enough, and if we're going back to that Venn diagram again of... Uh, listeners who listen to podcasts about skepticism and about professional wrestling, I have a podcast called the Fall Away Slam Podcast, which you can find at fallawayslam.wordpress.com. And we also have an email that I just started the other day if you'd like to send me nasty, poorly worded uh, emails regarding our content, fspcanada at hotmail.com. And you can also find Fall Away Slam Podcast on iTunes. That's correct. You can find it on iTunes. And this week's episode is reviewing the latest WWE pay-per-view and comparing it with the local CWE, Canadian Wrestling Elite's local show that they did here. And it's not as far and away uh, a runaway hit as you would think. They, they <laughs> compare rather favorably. Oh, wow. Yeah, so there you go. Nice. And before we go, I wanted to point out that one of our regular contributors also now has a blog. I do. Yay. I'm Laura. I started a blog. It's called Dietitian at Home. Um, you can find it at dietitianathome.wordpress.com. And it's a lot about food and a little bit about a lot of other things. I love to do product reviews and just overall debunkings and things like that, especially when it comes to nutrition. So if you have ideas, leave me a comment or something. And uh, many thanks to Phil Plate, the bad astronomer, not only for his excellent article that served as a source for a lot of the information in this episode, but also, you know, just for being a really awesome guy. Really, really, really nice dude. The best thing to come out of that Fox television special was that Phil's article debunking it was so wildly popular that it was linked to by both NASA and CNN, and mm -hmm. it expanded his audience immensely. Uh, you can go read his blog. It's currently over at Slate Magazine. We'll link to it in the show notes. You can also buy his books, Bad Astronomy and Death from the Skies. Thanks for doing our research, Phil. <laughs> and thank you for joining me tonight, folks. Thank, thank you, you, Jim. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. 
You've been listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. If you have any questions or comments, or you'd like to suggest a topic for the show, send us an email at lueepodcast at winnipegskeptics.com. If you want to show your support, give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook, or just share the show with a friend. Our music is produced by the very talented Ian James. And this episode was edited by Jem Newman. For some reason, I've got the da 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 that sound of you hitting him will be on the internet forever. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So, we're doing the moon cast. Yeah. Okay, so, today we are talking... Oh, shit, I should probably introduce us. Uh, my name is Jem Newman. Stop laughing, Ashlyn. Who's editing I, I know it's a dumb name. It's me. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> so say all the shit that you want. <laughs> Excellent. It's already gone off the rails. I actually first heard about this from a friend of mine uh, back when I worked at Celebrations Dinner Theater. We, we, we still hang out with this guy. Uh, Are you going to name this person? No, I'm not going to name this person, <laughs> but you know who I'm talking about. I don't, actually. Oh, well, it's... Can you, can you describe this person or well, a character they played? Oh, be like the other month. Or... <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so that we don't get uh, charged with slander of some kind? <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's our buddy who just had his birthday. Birthdays. Uh, yeah. Uh, Is it the buddy that dressed up in a fly suit one? Yeah. Buzz Buzz. Buzz Buzz. On Halloween? Oh god, you don't remember that? It's, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I'll just cut that part out. We don't need to play the charades. primary friend just... that you guys share in common. That, those okay, but those two clues were very vague. You have to be a you have, has birthdays. You have many And I'm not good friends? I don't, and I'm not good with birthdays at all. So had you just said, you know, not Matt, but yeah. oh, okay. No, and we've been it. friends for the guy those pictures on my fridge for right like now. Twelve yeah. years or something. I I don't. Your birthday's in what? Like March? May? May? I don't know. Those, it's those in, are, it's they both start with M's. It's in ten days, actually. Okay. Well, happy, happy early birthday. birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Terrible friend. But but see, here's the thing though: is that I'm horrible with birthdays. But nor would I never expect anyone to remember my birthday there in return. Go. Yeah, I'm never yeah. gonna drink a glass of water because I'm afraid I might drown. Every yeah. cancerous tumor contains water. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to drink a glass of water. There might there might be some particles in there that'll actually heal you, uh, <laughs> especially if they're in as small a dose as possible. Or just the memory of oh, them. Oh, right. That's what it was. The memory of healing is in the water. So don't drink water anymore. But cause... the memory of the poop is not. <laughs> but dinosaur poop might be magical. We don't know. That's true. It's something that, that should be the next podcast. Is dinosaur poo magical? <laughs> Perfect. I don't have a topic yet, so feel free to send them in. <laughs> The dust shoots out from behind the wheels in a perfect parabolic arc and comes back down. And Projectile you just... motion is a bitch, conspiracy <laughs> theorists. And you just can't have that happen in regular gravity. So aside from the copious documentary... Is that testi- what we want our show to be about? Presenting evidence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> evidence. So, so I like as- just sarcasm. Sorry.
All of the air that you're breathing is farts. Yeah, and the whole air is farts. <laughs> it's and true, also, man. Oh, no, I know. And, yeah. and and another thing that I learned from uh, the Pan Teller episode is that, uh, well, you know, if they were up there so long, how do they pee and poo? Well, into bags, sir. Yep. <laughs> these poor, these poor, these poor dudes had to, you know, had to shit in a bag that was vacuumed to their ass so that it wouldn't get out, obviously, yeah. in their spacesuit, right? Because if that happened, ay vey, that would be not a good time. So think about that. Like again, the nerve that these these people must have had to say, "Well, by the way, you know, there's no bathrooms up there, man. So you're gonna have to. This is what we got for you. All right, sounds good. Go America." <laughs> It was a different time. It was a different time. <laughs> Let's end this episode with a fun little quick game. Yay. 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 Remember that quick. poll that I mentioned at the top of the show? <laughs> Yay, quick. <laughs> so remember that poll that I mentioned at the Laura's top of the show? Laura's good for about poll. 40 minutes, and then after that it's like, let's go, come on, come on, come on, come on. Guys. Get out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's mostly Jim, shut up. <laughs> Okay, so Laura is the victor. The winner! Woohoo! Yeah. And I finished Thank the you. patch on your coat. Yay! Oh, I had elbow patches again. Just one. Elbow patch! Oh, just one, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, the next one will wait till next month. Yeah. <laughs> just shave one side of your face again, and then it'll yeah. even out. No! <laughs> no! Yeah, she didn't like that the first time. Well, then. Okay. But, th- but then, depending on which way I'm facing, it looks like beard gem or no beard gem. And I hate both of them when you do that, so... <laughs> it's twice as much husband, though. I have a podcast called the Fall Away Slam Podcast, which you can find at fallawayslam.wordpress.com. I'm pausing because I want to see if that's indeed correct. It is correct. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Sorry.